It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And now, here he is. He acted a few moments ago like he was in complete disarray, but he's organized now, Dr. History. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Zeb. How you doing? Not as good as you. Oh, well, it was a, it was a wet ride out here today. Really? A lot of, lot of water going over the road. Uh, you know what? And urge everybody to be careful. Don't okay. try to check the depth with your tires. <laughs> no, no. But at least it's not freezing, and uh, it's not too bad out yeah, there, really. Yeah. So. You have a story this morning that is really kind of intriguing to me because it actually in history didn't occur just once. It happened twice at the same place. It did. It did. And we're going to talk about the second event. So, you know, uh, for decades, the free-roaming Comanche, Southern Cheyenne, Kiowa, and Arapaho had been pushed into an increasingly smaller territory. I mean, they uh, in the southern plains. They just kept getting pushed smaller and smaller. And just as troubling were the dwindling numbers of buffalo, which were, of course, we know, essential to the tribe's survival. Mm-hmm. Um, when hide hunters started to invade the country around the Texas panhandle. Can you think of a worse job? Than being a Skinner? Skinner, all day in that heat. Oh, man. I mean, those people just, I don't know what they got paid, but it wasn't even close enough. It wasn't enough. So, but this is in the Texas Panhandle. Now, they sometimes call that the Staked Plains. Have you heard that? Yeah, I have. It's called the Staked Plains. So, anyway, this is where they were, and uh, they threatened the last large herd of buffalo on the Southern Plains, and not willing to let the white man just slaughter their food supply or invade their homeland, well, what would the Indians do? Absolutely. They're going to fight back. Absolutely. So, and, and who can blame them? So a council of war was held in the spring of 1874. Now, as the tribes were camped near the Washita, hide hunters had been getting bolder and bolder, and something had to be done. They yeah. had to stop them. Yeah. So the buffalo was not only a symbol, the buffalo was a way of life. Yeah, they needed it for everything. Yeah. I mean, it provided food, yep. clothing, yep. shelter. shelter. Yep. Uh, the free Roman tribes were joined by reservation Indians who were fed up with confined living. Now, when I say free roaming, uh, I hope people understand those are the guys that did not go onto the reservation. That's right. So they were joined up with some of these guys that were on the reservations that were fed up with the confined living, uh, the promises that were broken. And a lot of these guys, these Indians on the reservations were starving because of the corruption in the government. That's right. I mean, Promises were not enough to keep them alive, uh, and a so-called month's supply of rations usually was only good for about two weeks. Thanks and a to, lot of it was bad food. Yeah, and and again, thanks to skimming and payoffs. Yep. Uh, yep. Worse, there was no way to supplement the food supply because the game herds near the reservations had all been killed off. They'd been gone. Yeah, yep. and uh, so 
they were frustrated. And so what they did is they banded together, these yeah. different tribes. Yep. They had a common enemy, uh, the white man, and there was a young Comanche medicine man named Little Wolf, and he emerged as kind of the spiritual leader, or um, it doesn't really say he was a chief, but he was, you know, they highly regarded somebody they thought was a shaman or a, a spiritual yeah. leader. Yeah. But anyway, he preached war against the invaders. Uh, Little Wolf had a number of visions, he called, which he predicted an Indian victory in their efforts to free their land. Now, he told the warriors that he had special medicine that would protect them from arrows and bullets. He promised the braves they would, if they would paint their horses and war shirts, they would be protected. Uh-oh. Little Wolf called for the braves to attack the trading post uh, at a place called Adobe Walls. And in theory, at least, this was a pretty good suggestion, actually, because there was a lot of supplies there. In fact, uh, the new trading post had supposedly over $100,000 worth of provisions. Wow. So we're talking guns and ammunition and And in those days, that was probably like a million dollars worth today. Huge. And so it would be very tempting to say, okay, let's go get that. Because anyway, the Braves felt confident uh, there was only a few men guarded in the post. And furthermore, their holy man had prophesied victory. And that was a big deal for these guys. So the Indians were well armed with the latest weapons, uh, thanks to some Mexican traders. So they had guns. Mm Well, the hide hunters had been ruthlessly effective. By 1873, they'd nearly shot themselves out of a job. The State Plains region had held the last big herd in the Southern Plains. You know, I stop right there because it, can you and I imagine their feelings, the Indians, of watching their food source, their security source of uh, protection and everything, the buffalo, left rotting yeah. on uh, the plains. And this is, uh, the Indians generally... Uh, I don't know if you want to say uh, thank the great spirit yeah. for an animal, whether yeah, it was a, a bear or a deer Absolutely. or elk, whatever. Yeah. But because of this, the hunters kept pushing deeper and deeper into Indian territory. Well, the hunters and skinners would shoot and process hides until they had a load. Then they'd pack their hides into wagons and drive back to Dodge City to sell their hides. Yep. And after a night or two on the town, they'd buy supplies and head back for another hunting season. Uh, the trips back and forth to town took quite a bit of time. And so some kind of enterprising men decided to open up a trading post right in Buffalo country and buy the hides for a par- fair price from the men in the field. Mm-hmm. And they could also sell supplies to the hunters so they could be provisioned. They'd carry everything a hunter needed, you know, all kinds of ammunition, whatever they needed. And after some thought, the traders decided upon their enterprise at this place called Adobe Walls. Okay. Okay. Spring of 1874, the traders set up a shop. Uh, they constructed sod houses that were sturdy with good views. They built stores, a saloon, which was essential, uh, a blacksmith shop, of course, among other things. And these entrepreneurs brought in supplies worth a small fortune. Like I said, $100,000 worth. Uh, 30 wagons of provisions. They planned to load up the empty wagons with hides and truck them back to Dodge. I mean, it was a, it was a good plan. Yeah. So then they'd fill the wagons with supplies and start the process over again. And business was actually pretty good for a while. The hunters uh, came and went. They dropped off their hides. They picked up supplies. Some even came to the post to sleep, sometimes to stay overnight. And the Indians began to strike back, and the hunters were a little on edge. And you can imagine, you know. uh, But the climate got more tense when several men were killed and scalped. 
Yeah. Three more men were killed. Uh, uh, others simply disappeared and were never heard from. How big a group were the buffalo hunters in? You know, when they went out, a lot of times there's nothing more than two skinners and a hunter. So really... Maybe two, three guys. They were really susceptible. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, you know, they'd split up into different groups. So they were, yeah, they were susceptible. But anyway, uh, like I say, some were never heard from again. Indians began following the hunting parties. All they had to do was look for buffalo. Sure. And they knew that there would be hunters. So the Comanche and Cheyenne had a special dislike for buffalo hunters who only shot an animal, as we've mentioned, for its hide, leaving the carcass to rot in the sun. Hmm. So by June 18th, now we're in the summertime almost, the traders had collected enough hides to consider taking a trip to Dodge. There had been warnings of an attack at the post by the end of June. Now, this is kind of interesting. The warnings likely came from some Kiowa Indians who were on the reservation. Really? So they, they were a little jealous, huh? Yeah. The traders didn't know if this information was reliable. I it see. was uh, Okay, is it or isn't good? You know, anyway, the principal partners kept this knowledge to themselves. Uh-oh. Okay, they did not even tell their associate, the blacksmith. And just to be safe, however, they conveniently decided they would quickly head back to Dodge. Oh, so <laughs> wait a minute. The powers that be kind of protected their CYA a little bit. Right. Yeah. And with... So they were going to head back to Dodge with the hides and leave their partner, a guy, and we're going to talk about this guy, Jim Hanrahan oh, is his name. Okay. He was a trader and saloon keeper. He was, they were going to leave him to watch the post. Yeah, nice job. Thank you. Yeah. you know. So between 20 to 40 men could be found about adobe walls. Uh, whiskey consumption had gone up as the hunting slowed down. Uh, the hunters were being extra careful. Indian sightings had become more frequent. Jim Hanrahan's buffalo hunter was so careful that he wasn't keeping his skinners busy. Now, a good good uh, hunter could keep two guys busy for I read, hours. I read someplace, and I don't mean to take a lot of time, but I read someplace that a shooter for a group tried to shoot between 50 and 75 buffalo a day. Have you read that? Yeah, at least. even Really? Yeah, huge numbers. Oh. So, anyway, there was a young man by the name of Billy Dixon. Okay, and he he had two skinners that he came in with a fresh load of hides to sell. Now, Jim Hanrahan bought the hides. Billy was known to be a good shot as well as a hard as well as a hard working young man. Okay, so Dixon's plan was to head off to the northwest where the buffalo were thick and the Comanche thinner. And since Billy didn't have to work very hard to keep his skinners busy, he and Jim entered into a partnership. Not only would he shoot for his own men, he'd shoot for some of Hanrahan's skinners, too. So here we have uh, Billy Dixon. He's going to go out with maybe four skinners and would probably keep him busy. Yeah. So young Billy was about to become a very famous man. He was born in 1850. When he was 18 years old, he started hauling supplies for the Army. He worked for George Custer, our friend, in the general's campaign against That was a short-lived job, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. He worked for for Custer uh, uh, against the Southern Cheyenne in 1868 and 69. And after a few years of freighting on the plains, he decided to try his hand at buffalo hunting. Oh, my. So he joined up with some friends and became the shooter of the party. Well, when the other regions were so shot out that uh, that he couldn't make a living, he came to the panhandle. I see. So now here we are. So Jim Hanrahan was glad to have Billy for his partner because he was a good shot, hard worker. And he was glad that Billy and his skinners were at the post because, uh, again, extra rifles. Jim had to be a little nervous, don't you think, with his partners gone. And here he is holding down the fort, so to speak. And the whiskey bottles. And the whiskey bottles. Yeah. Now, according to legend... 
Around 2 o'clock in the morning, a main roof beam snapped in the saloon. Uh-oh. Okay. Now, the men said the crack or snap was so loud, it sounded like a pistol shot. Okay. Now, this is going to... Uh, we're going to get into this a little bit. They were awake instantly with their guns in hand. Some of the men were sleeping in the saloon. Others were outside. Uh, now... The questionable thing was, was it a pistol shot or was it really a beam cracking? Well, did the roof cave in? No, they just cracked. <laughs> okay, hmm. it didn't cave in. Okay. okay. Now, since the men were already up, most of them decided not to go back to bed. I see. Now, Don would arrive in a couple of hours, and many, including Billy Dixon, would be leaving at first light. They talked, played cards, had a few drinks, and when the pre-dawn attack came, the men were already up. Uh-huh. They were ready. They were ready. Uh, by accident or whatever. We don't yeah. So the Indians, the night the Indians camped a few miles to the east of the post, they sang their war songs and prayed. Their medicine was good. Their war paint was magic. And accounts tell of at least a thousand warriors. How many were at the fort? Oh, maybe 40, 30, 40. Oh, the odds 50, are not maybe. even. Not, not real good. Yeah. Now, in reality, there was probably maybe only 500 to 700. Oh, well, yeah, only against 40, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a lot yeah. better. Uh, you know, still a pretty good number. But yeah. anyway, well before dawn, the Braves were in place and ready, although unaware that the men at the post were all awake. They thought they were going to catch them asleep. Yeah. Now, if legend is correct, Billy Dixon was the first to see the attack. At first, he thought the Braves were going for the horses. He fired a couple of rounds, which alerted the post. The Braves, however, bypassed the horses and went for the buildings. Uh-huh. Men scrambled for shelter. A couple of those still sleeping outside were killed right off the bat. Billy made it to the saloon. Others took refuge in the stores. The buildings were well built, and the men further secured their doors and windows with barrels and sacks of supplies. So they were ready and in a pretty good place, really. So they had water and food. Yeah. Yeah, so they were fine, really, and whiskey. (laughs) Well, that was my next question. (laughs) Anyway, the Braves didn't get the quick victory they had hoped for. These were some tough plainsmen who didn't frighten easily. They were cool under attack. Furthermore, buffalo hunters were notoriously good shots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they were used to making each bullet count and firing from a distance. And even the Skinners were pretty good shots. You know, they weren't slackers. So this uh, Indian chief that had said, or the leader of this uh, band, said that they would be protected and the bullets wouldn't harm them. So they kind of didn't appreciate his comments, did right. they? Right, especially as they saw their comrades uh, falling off their right, horses. Right. So anyway, because the men's fire was so deadly, they turned back the first rush, a rush that should have brought victory to the brave. More charges followed, but each one was again repelled by the rifle fire. Now, before noon, the Braves had learned a healthy respect for the Buffalo rifle and had given up charging. Can you imagine, though? These were the Hawkins and the Sharps, weren't yeah. they? Those oh, yeah. big guns? Yeah. So the Indians were losing their uh, interest in this fight, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. They had taken some horses and some supplies from some wagons. They killed a few men. So, But it, uh, even the great chief of the Comanche, Quanah Parker, oh, was in this Texas. group. Yeah. He had actually been hit wasn't injured badly, but he wasn't able to fight anymore. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, the traders and buffalo hunters were bottled up. Their uh, horses were gone now, uh, but they still had food and water and whiskey and bullets, and they were safe for the time being, although they couldn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Now, during the battle, several other hunters had slipped into the post to help them. Oh, so they came from outside the perimeter. Yeah, but several men also slipped out to try to go for help. I don't know if I would have been... In either group. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so now it became a waiting game. 
Now, bored with just sitting there, Billy decided to take a shot at one of the Indians sitting on his war pony. Oh, oh. The man was well out of range, but Billy decided to stir things up. Uh-huh. As it would turn out, he was about to make the most famous shot in the history of the American West using his sharps. Uh, 50 caliber slash 90, 50 90. Wow. Is that what they call that? Yeah. Okay. Sharps Buffalo Gun. He calculated wind and distance. Wow. The, the men watched, uh, agreeing that the Brave was well, uh, uh, about a mile. A it's mile? What, a mile. Away? Yes. Now, Billy was a fine shot, okay? Evidently. Any man who could kill a buffalo the way he did was a, was a shooter. He carefully took aim, held his breath, squeezed the trigger on the trusty sharps. The black powder smoke cleared. The men watched for several seconds. Almost in slow motion, the unlucky brave threw up his arms, fell from his horse. A mile away. This was the best shot anyone have ever seen or hoped to see. Now... So the question is, was it a mile? Okay. Now, later, after this had happened, there were some surveyors that measured off the shot, actually, after everything was said and done. Yeah. And it wasn't quite a mile, but it was close. It was 1,538 yards. Now, a mile is 1,560. No, 760. So we're about 200 yards short of a mile. Are you going to quibble over that? <laughs> I'm going to call it a mile. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I can't even... Well, I won't get into that. I can't even see a mile. I know. Well, now, to Billy Dixon's credit, he never claimed it was more than a lucky pot shot he took to break the boredom of the long siege. Uh, but Billy knew his craft. He, he yeah. was skilled. And anyway, the buffalo hunters were so deadly that the Comanches were mostly kept to 300 yards after the first morning. And uh, 20-some men could hold off 500 or more ta- attackers. That was something. I mean, but again, these Indians were up against the best of the best. Yeah. So anyway, as soon as reinforcements arrived, the battle was officially over. The Indians broke into smaller bands and went on a actually a kind of a bloody rampage in a four-state area, Texas, Kansas, New Mexico, Colorado. Uh, they'd Lost this battle, and so other people suffered because oh, yeah. of what these uh, buffalo hunters had yeah. done. Yeah, uh, they lost the war, but uh, not before they'd uh, uh, killed. Uh, oh, they went for about two months and killed a lot of white people. A lot of what you're talking about in these different scenes and scenarios with what happened at Adobe Walls were incorporated into various Western movies, like Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they figured there was over a hundred white people killed during the yeah. next two months. Yeah. And Little Wolf, the medicine chief, he was dishonored uh, by the Comanche people. He, well, he was the one that said the bullets wouldn't hurt him. Well, l- l- let me tell you what they started calling him after uh, he no longer entitled to can the... Can you say it on the radio? I, I, I can. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he became known as Coyote Droppings. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Yes, I do. <laughs> From Little Wolf to Coyote Droppings. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, he had an excuse, though. Okay? Uh, he claimed that the Braves had broken his magic when they killed a striped skunk on the way to the battle. Well, that does it every, every doggone time. You do time. not want to kill a striped skunk. Yeah. I don't know what other kind there is. But anyway, the traders and buffalo hunters won what has now been called the Second Battle of Adobe Walls. Really? Now, even though they succeeded in driving off the Indians, the traders decided that Adobe Walls wasn't a safe place to po- have a post any longer. Jim Hanrahan abandoned his establishment. Can you blame him? Loaded up his supplies, went back to Kansas. Yeah. And actually, as soon as the post was abandoned, the Indians came in and just uh, burned anything that 
that was left. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, this shot. Where was it exactly on the map? Do you remember? You, <sighs> you said know, the Panhandle was yeah. it up in? It was in North Texas. Wasn't yeah, it, it would been up in that. Yeah. What they call the state. Because place. you mentioned Quanta Parker, and Quanta Parker was a highly educated by the white people right. Indian and was a great leader. Yeah. 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 Now you know one. People think, uh, they wonder about this myth of the one-mile shot. Yeah. Okay? And so was the shot possible? Okay, I'm, I've got just a few facts here. Okay, Is real that, quick. I've okay. got a minute left. Okay. So um, the the uh, Sharps rifle had a 670-grain bullet. Now, I don't understand grain and one thing or another uh, like that. I don't either. But the average deer hunting bullet nowadays, by comparison, averages... Uh, 150 grains, Ooh. so it's considerably lighter. What a punch. So he was shooting a slow, extremely heavy round. Yeah. Okay? Now, there's a guy that set out to uh, uh, see if Dixon's shot was technically possible. So he used a Sharps 5090 with a 60, 675 grain cartridge, and his experiment proved that such a shot was possible. And the thing I find interesting is the barrel of the Sharps rifle had to be elevated 35 degrees. Wow. So, you know, it's like shooting up. Uphill. Uh, yeah, like yeah. shooting uphill. Yeah. But it was indeed capable of this shot. Wow. So, you know, I know there's been other shots uh, in military like uh, with yeah. our modern. Uh, Amazing. But. There you go. You hit a home run again. They just served him a curveball, and he hit it out of the park. Doctor history. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.